Well, good morning, Lindsley Avenue. It's good to see everybody. Good to have uh, some visitors. Good to have some people back. We're glad you're here, and we hope that you will come back and visit again uh, each and every opportunity that you have. Uh, we're glad to have people who are watching either live or later on Facebook as well. So welcome. Glad you're here. Unless you're really headed toward an expensive buffet somewhere in town, you will really, I think, uh, not be happy if you wander off right as services are over, because we have a lot of very good things prepared for a group lunch after services today. I know uh, there's homemade lasagna, there's all sorts of other things with it, uh, there's cakes and all sorts of things. So please, please, every one of you are invited, and I really hope that I, even though I usually go to the back door, to say so long to people as they're leaving, I hope you all ignore me today and come and stay for what we have to eat. Make me be lonely back at the back door. Please stay. You're very welcome. We're glad you're here. The verse, Proverbs 25, 11, it said, uh, like gold apples in a silver setting. You think of some fancy table. What comes to mind to me is some sort of central item on the big table, maybe a fancy meal, right? So you have some silver tray and then gold-looking apples put on it. It's intended to be very fancy, very, very formal, really beautiful and nice. And the writer of Proverbs said that's like a word that is fitly, properly spoken at the right time. That's what is compared to golden apples on a silver tray. Sometimes we come up with a word that is spoken at the right time and in the right way and the right word, and sometimes we don't. And since we are all uh, servants of God, since we're all followers of Jesus, since we all should be followers of Jesus, this morning I want to spend a few minutes looking at the words of a servant. How should my words sound? How should they be composed? What should I say? And perhaps what should I not say? as a follower of Jesus, the words of a servant. So come along with me as we study here for just a few minutes. And yes, I can already hear the stomachs rumbling after talking about all the good food. So that's fine. Let them rumble. Let them rumble. Fill in the blank. This one may be tough. Okay, we'll see if anybody gets it. Fill in the blank. Be sure your words are sweet. Because you might have to eat them, or in case you have to eat them later. Right? Does that sound like a mom-ism to you? Something mom might have said? Right? Be sure your words are sweet in case you have to eat them later. Here's another one. This one I will tell you is flat out wrong. We've all heard it, but it is flat out wrong and it's not true. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but they can hurt us, right? We're told words can never hurt us, but they do. They do. We don't forget the words. Now, it is true, right, that I don't go home with a bruise. But we can bruise on the inside. So this one's flat out false. Flat out false. Words, in fact, do hurt. Reason enough right there to make sure our words are fitly, properly spoken or not said at all. Now, this one, I know we've all heard this one. I know we've all heard this one. If you can't say something nice, you, you knew that one. Don't say anything at all. Don't say nothing at all. So we all hear these things about words, but sometimes, you know, mom's not around. 
growing up, we're out on our own, especially if you get in a business environment, we just want to turn loose. As God's servants here, in God's servants when we leave here, what should our words be? What should they be like? Here's the verse we had. Apples of gold in a setting of silver. That's a great idea. They should be proper. They should be beautiful. They should be things people look forward to seeing or hearing. Here's another one. Look at Acts 11. One of my favorite people in the Bible, Barnabas. I nicknamed Matt Barnabas because he's always encouraging me. Howard's another Barnabas. Barnabas is a good nickname to get because it means son of encouragement. You were somebody who was always an encourager. Look what it says here in Acts 11, verse 20-24. There were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene. Cyprus is an island right off the coast of modern-day Lebanon, just south of modern-day Turkey and the Mediterranean Ocean or Sea. And Cyrene is over in North Africa. So there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch, which is a town in kind of modern-day Syria, uh, Lebanon, spoke to the Hellenists, these are Greek-oriented people, preaching the Lord Jesus. So they're coming from different places. They come to Antioch, and they tell people about Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem. When it came to the ears of the leaders in Jerusalem, what did they do? They sent Barnabas to Antioch. First of all, to see how things were going. And as we'll see, he had a few words for it. When he, Barnabas, continuing on, when he came and saw the grace of God, and he saw all that God was doing among these Greek-oriented people in Antioch, he was glad and he exhorted. The word exhorts also encourage. He exhorted, he encouraged them all what? To remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. Remain faithful, don't give up. For he... Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas, son of exhortation, a continuous encourager. You know, in some ways, I really could probably end today's sermon right now. No applause. I could end today's sermon right now because if we simply committed to being a Barnabas, to being an encourager every time that is in front of us, We'd be a better group of people in the world, even in a small way, would be a better place. The next thing Barnabas did was leave Antioch and went to look for Paul. He brought him to Antioch, and with this growing group, the rest was history because Paul saw Paul end up telling the good news to lots of people. A couple of chapters later, this is in Acts 15. Here, uh, this is after they had had this council in Jerusalem, trying to decide and figure out that God really want Gentiles, that's presumably all of us, people who were not from a Jewish background, did he want Gentiles keeping the law of Moses? Some said yes, you had to keep the law of Moses in addition to following Jesus. And Paul and Barnabas were like, no way. There's no way that can possibly be what God wants. So they talked it all out and came to a conclusion. So they were sent off, Paul and Barnabas were sent off, and they went down to Antioch, having gathered the congregation together, they delivered a letter from the apostles in, Jer in Jerusalem to them. When they had read it, the letter, they rejoiced. They were incredibly happy because of its encouragement. 
the letter encouraged them to continue serving God, continue being faithful to God, and stay away from just a couple of things. They did not in any way believe the law of Moses needed to be put upon these Gentiles. And by extension, it's not put upon any of us either. So Paul and Barnabas go to these Gentile Christians, and what they read encourages them. If I were to write a note of encouragement, maybe that's not a bad thing to do. You work with somebody, if you're around somebody a lot, if you've got somebody nearby, sneak a little note in. You're doing great. I really appreciate you being my friend, or I appreciate all that you do for me. Sneakily, if you can. It's okay to do it formally, but at the very least, encourage people. Be a Barnabas. Be a Barnabas. A good word was sent to these Christians. That was sent a good word. Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, after his chapter called the love chapter, love is kind, love is patient. I mean, the, the chapter about love is read very often. Continuing to chapter 14, we often don't go that far. Continuing chapter 14, the first couple of verses, Paul says this. Pursue love. Seek after love. Make sure love is something that you're actively trying to engage in and engage with. Make sure that's flowing through you and defines who you are. Pursue love. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Prophesy. We'll talk about that in a minute. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God, for no one understands him and he utters mysteries in the spirit. So speaking in tongues was something that was not speaking French or was not speaking Latin or something like that. And if you were speaking in tongues, everybody around you going, I don't know what he's saying. So it's not exactly encouraging if somebody had this gift in the first century of speaking in tongues. So if you want to be, I want a spiritual gift in the first century, I want Speaking in tongues is not really one Paul says really ought to seek after. Some people wanted it, some people had it. Hey, don't do that one. I'll tell you what. On the other hand, seek this gift of prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their building up and encouragement and consolation. So what's meant by prophecy here? Or prophesy? Unfortunately, you've got that prophecy and prophesy. You change that C to an S. Prophecy is usually foretelling things for God. We think of prophecies about the Messiah made in the Old Testament, predicting the future. But to have words that were prophecy, right? To prophesy, to speak. I even get the words mixed up in my head. I can't even say it the right way. To prophesy, I think I got it right that time. You're speaking words of encouragement. You're really preaching, you're teaching. So it's not so much predicting the future. Boy, if only I had the gift of prophecy, in the year 3104, there'll be a famine. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good either. But if I have the gift to prophesy, then I have the gift of sharing messages that encourage people. That's a gift we should all wish we had. And we can all, in a sense, develop today because we can study and look for ways to share what God has done for us what God has called us with other people and encouraged them. Right? So grandiose, fancy, spiritual gifts that they may have had in the past, even Paul seems to downplay here. Okay, some of you have the gifts of tongue, but especially try to look for a gift of prophecy, to prophesy and speak. Why? For their encouragement and consolation. In 
encouragement, the word there is the idea of calling to your side. You know, if I see Phil, and Phil just, he seems down, I'm like, Phil, come here for a minute. You know, put the arm around him. You okay? Anything I can do for you? Can I help you? Of course, the first 20 times you run across somebody, like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. Right? But if we are always looking after each other, if we're always attuned to whether people seem up or down, eventually somebody will go, hey, are you okay? I'm saying, no, I'm really not. This happened. And the response can be sharing pain, it can be encouraging, it can be, let's figure out something we can do. Encouragement. Call to your side. It's a hug when someone's down. Let me tell you, especially those of you that are relative newcomers, this is a place that knows how to encourage. Because people here hug a lot, virtual hugs, and they hug by their actions, even if it's not truly an arm around the shoulder. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of opportunities to do that here recently. But that's good. It allows us to show our love by our actions. Consolation. The word for consolation is the idea of speaking a cheering or cheerful, encouraging word. Call somebody to your side and tell them, you know, you're not facing this by yourself. We're all in this together. Brother, sister, brother, brother. We're here for each other. Let's figure out how I can help, what I can do. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5.14 Paul again speaking, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with them all. This last part is probably the hardest part of it. Be patient with all. It's tough to be patient with everybody. I know you all have a tough time being patient with me. It's tough to be patient with people, period, because for some reason, none of you act the way I really think you ought to act. And that's really the problem with patience. Why aren't you doing what I think you should be doing, right? If it's different, you know what I mean. Well, in every community, there's a faint-hearted brother and sister who may fear the worst, which is what it means. There's just no hope. There's no chance. There's no way this is going to work out. In every community, there's going to be a faint-hearted person or two. But, but in every community... There should be Christians who, being brave themselves, can help others be brave. Encourage. Give courage to someone else to hang tough, to not give up, to not turn back, to continue living for God. Really, really important. Encourage the faint-hearted. Because how do you know you may not need the encouragement next time? That's why we're a family. That's why we seek to help other. How can we make sure our words are proper and fit? Remember, words fitly spoken are like the golden apples on a silver place, a silver uh, tray or something like that. How do we make sure our words are proper? We need to realize, we really need to realize we need each other. There's no such thing as isolation in a church, in a church family. There can't be as I said, I think either last Sunday or last Wednesday, there can't be Lone Ranger Christians. And if you are feeling Lone Ranger, don't leave. Stay here for dinner. Make friends with people here. Talk to people. We do not think anyone should be isolated. Anyone should be alone. Amen.
There's no such thing. There's no such thing. In the second place, we ought to respect each other. There's no question of relative importance. I mean, look, I know I'm standing up here continuing to use words for all of you want the lasagna. That doesn't mean that I'm somehow more important than anybody here. Because I'm not. We are all brothers and sisters. We are all brothers and sisters. We're all part of the body. I may be the mouth today, but there are hands, there are eyes, there are ears, there are arms, there are feet. We're all part of the body of Christ, the body of Jesus. Every part of the body is important. And if one part stops functioning, shoulder, amen, you notice when that shoulder wasn't working, if in our body here, one part of us isn't working the way it should, we notice we're not the way we need to be. Everybody here is important, not only to us, but to God. We need to respect each other. It's the same in the body. Our physical body certainly is the same in the body of Jesus, the church. Here's another thing to remember. Somebody said this once. All service ranks the same with God. Somebody speaking, able to teach a class, able to preach. Somebody leading a prayer. Somebody leading singing with a golden voice. Somebody who money seems to fall out of the sky, hits them on the head, and they donate it to a congregation. Somebody that simply says, hey, I care about you. Whatever it is, a cup of cold water seems relatively small. Jesus says, you know, you give a cup of cold water at somebody's name, you've given it to me. All service is the same. The point is simply to serve. The point is to help. The point is to encourage. We're all the same because we're all followers of Jesus and brothers and sisters. In the third place, we need to sympathize with each other. If any part is affected of the body, right, the whole body is affected. Whole body's affected. All the others suffer because they can't help it. It needs to be that way here. The only way that's going to ever happen is if we realize we are one body. We're all parts, but we're all one body. We're all part of God's family here. If you're hurting, I'm hurting. If I'm hurting, it helps if you're hurting because we're all part of the body. We're all brothers and sisters. How do we do this? How do we sympathize? How do we make sure we encourage? How do we do all this? It needs to be by actions. Actions are going to be loving if my words are not loving. If my words are not encouraging, why would I be doing things to help? But it's kind of like the, we used to say real long time ago, I've heard, canary in the coal mine. It's a good leading indicator. The words that come out of my mouth are probably going to indicate what's in my heart. So the words of a servant need to be words of encouragement, just like Barnabas, just like Paul. That's the way I want to challenge each of us to be, not only this next week, but to be the rest of this year. Be an encourager. Be a Barnabas. Be a Barnabas. Now, a lot of this has to do with being a good follower of Jesus, being a member of God's family. If you're a member of God's family, and this does not really seem to describe it, if I'm not an encourager, if I'm not someone who empathizes and sympathizes, 
maybe it's an indication of something going on in here. Right? How do I fix this if I'm a member of God's family? What the Bible says is that you ask God to forgive, and He will gladly forgive. And the way we do that is we say, if you need to come forward and ask for prayer, do that when we are having the invitation song here in a minute. And we will take your name to God because I guarantee all of us have something that we need to ask God for help with or for forgiveness about. But if you're not a member of God's family, you need to do that today as well. How do you become a member of God's family? You have to understand that God's real. You have to understand that he sent his son to die because of things you did, just as he did for things I did. Problems we created for ourselves that we could not fix on our own. It required the sacrifice of God's only son that he would die so I would live. And that requires a change in me if I'm going to accept that gift he's offered. I need to change my life, quit living for myself and live the way God wants me to live. And then he has said you need to die to yourself. Romans 6 Paul says, don't you know that as many of us as have been baptized, have been immersed into Christ, have been baptized with him into death? And therefore, as just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too should be raised to walk in newness of life. Our sins are forgiven when we die to our old selves and are raised up to live as a brand new person. If there's any way that we can help you with any need you have, please come as we stand and see.